Hey, uh, welcome back to another episode of Cowboy with the Cowboys of Dixie. Today we have Miss Cowgirl Kate. How are you, Kat? Uh, how about I say Cowgirl Kate? How are you, Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I am so great, and I'm so glad we finally got to connect. I know we both had kind of wild schedules and stuff pop up, so thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and thank you for taking out the time to to come over. So they can't see you right now, but I see that you have on like the Cowgirls Inspire Cowgirl uh, T-shirt. Um, yeah, so my friend uh, Isabella Jackson, she's actually adopted a horse from us, a Belgian mare. Um, she designs these, and I just love the message behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the that's she's been like my homie for like the last couple of like years. Um, when she like when she still lived in Texas, now she now she moved up with her with her parents still like in her parents area, but uh, but yeah, that's been my homie like ever since like she moved to Texas. I saw you had on her shirt like as soon as we hopped on, I was like, oh wow. <laughs> I love her her and she and her boyfriend actually came out and rode with us, rode a couple of the rescues when they were Mm -hmm. on vacation in Phoenix. So it was really great to give her a hug in person. Yeah. Yeah. She was telling me that she, that she came down and, uh, and that she just bought like a huge horse from y'all or something like that. She, yeah, she, she rescued an Amish Belgian mare and I think Mm -hmm. she named her Sienna and she's, she said she's a heck of a horse. So I'm really excited for both, both of them. Mm -hmm. So then for my listeners that don't know who you are, uh, Kate, just give us a little background of who you are, where you're from, where you live now, and just a little bit of story about you. Sure. Uh, my name's Kate Oponsky-Luca. I live in Arizona now. I own Corral West Horse Adventures in Goodyear, Arizona, and we rehab, rescue, and rehabilitate uh, at-risk equines. We rehabilitate them, train them, uh, and either use them for our trail rides or adopt them out to other folks. Nice. So then how'd you get into, into saving horses? Oh gosh. So I used to have a dog rescue. And so I think to that end, a lot of horses end up in bad situations the same way dogs do, uh, you know, changes, changes in owners' lives, financial hardship, uh, maybe lack of training, uh, inability, you know, folks get in over their heads with a horse and they automatically assume that the horse is bad, which isn't true. Mm -hmm. I know you work with a lot of problem horses as well. Um, and so I rescued my first two horses before I bought Corral West. And I sort of thought, well, what if I could rescue more horses by adding value to them, by making them safe, putting miles on them. Um, and that's what I've built my whole business around. Um, when I first started a hundred thousand American horses were being exported to slaughter, uh, in Canada and Mexico for human consumption. And over the last five to six years, that's gone down to about 40,000. Um, so we also try, yeah, we also try to raise awareness because we can't save them all without legislative change, bills being passed, laws, all of that. Um, so a lot of what we do is just trying to work with Western brands, work with our customers at the ranch to show people that these horses actually have a lot of value and maybe are misunderstood. And the majority of them are already broke to ride. Many are out of registered stock. Um, but you know, every horse is one owner away from ending up in the slaughterhouse pipeline. Yeah. And you know, you just gave me a fact that I had no idea about. <laughs> um, because uh so something about me that's completely opposite about you um is that we had a complete like a completely different viewpoint on kill pins. And so that was something that like, I've always been the complete opposite of you are always, I've, I've always been like the person who was like, oh, don't support kill pins. So don't, don't buy from kill pins. I've all, like, that's just always been like, like something that I've always said. And you just, but you just brought out something that really intrigued me because I always felt like supporting kill pins doesn't help, doesn't help the horses more so to keep it open. But obviously 
I'm, I'm starting to think that I'm wrong after hearing that it went from a hundred thousand down to 40,000 being shipped off of people. Yeah. I wouldn't say supporting kill pins, but supporting the horses in the kill pins. Well, and I, I think, I think there's a lot of truth across the board there and there's a lot of misinformation and there are some lots or kill pens that don't actually have contracts with the USDA. So mm -hmm. they are playing on people's heartstrings, but they don't actually ship to Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. But like Bowie in Texas, they actually are the last stop before Mexico. They have a contract yeah. um, and they also have an auction. So what I always tell folks is, the kill pen for us is the last stop, but because I can't be 10,000 places at once and I can't save every horse that runs through auction and is bought by a kill buyer, you know, the first thing I recommend to people is support your local rescue. We, mm -hmm. we are a 501c3. We take in owner surrenders, auction horses, kill pen horses, the whole gamut, BLM, burrows, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I always tell folks the kill pen should be the last resort. You know, if, yeah. if you know what you're looking for, go to the auction. You can cut out the middleman. You can get a great horse for a lot less money, but we do deal with a few kill pens that I know have contracts with Mexico and are a little more honest. Um, Bowie Stroud in Oklahoma uh, actually has a contract. So there is a lot of misinformation out there that plays on people's mm -hmm. heartstrings. So we try to only deal with the auctions that actually have kill buyers present and try to beat them at their own game. And then also deal with the kill pens that we know are actually shipping horses. Yeah. And for, for every horse that they ship, people also need to realize that they have direct ship lots with horses that are filling semis every day that we never mm -hmm. see. Um, you know, so in a multi-million dollar industry, I don't know that me paying $100 extra for a horse is, it's not really even a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one reason why I always, I mean, I'm from South Texas. I live in South Texas. Um, and so with me being down here in South Texas, uh, right on the border of Mexico, the pans down, like the pans that they have here, they, they go directly to Mexico. Um, yep. and also, um, like people who've worked there and also other people have told me that like, they have a set number of horses that have to go there, no matter what, no matter who's saved, they still have a, a set percentage of amount that they have to honor to, to their buyers in Mexico. And so that's what, that's what I always wondered. And that's, that, that was one of my biggest arguments or one of my biggest, I guess, sure. concerns was that, are you, are you saving the horses if they, if the, if the PN also has a contract to send off this certain amount either way. So they're just making money on both ends. So then what, what, what is, what is your thoughts on that? Because um, sure. I mean, I know you have a lot more knowledge on, on that type of stuff than I do. <laughs> well, I, I don't know that it's more knowledge. It's just different perspectives. You know, for me, I look at these horses that have allowed me to build a business and they act mm -hmm. as ambassadors and every customer that comes out, I say, Hey, this is the plight of some American horses. You know, there's overbreeding. Um, when the animal rights activists made it illegal to slaughter horses in the United States. They cut out not only American jobs, but also the ability for horses to be slaughtered humanely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's worse for them to endure a 20 hour trailer ride with no hay or water to be slaughtered mm -hmm. in a converted Mexican slaughterhouse than if it were being done here under the supervision of the USDA, the Department of Ag, all of those things. You know, my friends in the beef industry have to follow so many rules. And these guys that are shipping horses to slaughter are kind of the underbelly of the of that world to me because yeah. they're not they're not having to follow those rules. They're shipping blind horses, bred mares, um, emaciated horses that the owner dropped them off like that with no repercussions. So I guess for me, I look at every horse that I rescue as an opportunity to bring awareness to it and to ultimately 
try to make real substantial change. So, and and also it matters to that horse. You know, I have these horses I trust with six-year-olds that have never ridden before. And that's a testament to the kind of animals that end up in shitty situations. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not Clinton Anderson. I can't take credit for making them great horses. I've found a lot of already great horses in the kill pens. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've pulled horses from direct ship too, that I just said, Hey, can I give you 400 bucks for this horse? Um, So, so I think it's a complex issue. And I think if it was something that was made illegal without people thinking about the unintended consequences. And I also think that as horse people, if we love horses, we have to start holding each other accountable for number one, how we take care of our senior horses, because most Mm -hmm. of the horses I pull are seniors that require a little bit of maintenance that someone didn't, you know, if that horse took care of your kid for 20 years, it's kind of shitty for his last couple or do the right thing and put it down. Um, because we do pull horses just to euthanize as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if I know that horse has served someone else. Um, so it is, it's a complex issue and it's almost a vacuum has been created. That's allowed for these guys to take advantage of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think until it is illegal to export them, I don't know how much that it will change, but I do know that when I started rescuing horses, I felt like I was on an Island and now we have a whole network of amazing people. And so for me, it's not just about, I rescued this one horse today. It's about more people are aware of what's going on. Um, and I also, you know, we support good, smart breeding. Um, and there's so much backyard breeding that goes on. Like, I don't care if your grade mare is really cute. Why are you breeding it? And then Mm -hmm. dumping her bread back with another baby at auction. Yeah. You know, because, because you need 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And believe it or not, (laughs) down here in South Texas, that's, paper horses are like like people don't even realize horses have papers down here yeah yeah everything is 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 great down here and it's just because somebody will see like somebody will see somebody's grade stud or grade mare and just like some some guys literally will will go and like see that a person is gone during a certain time of the day and they'll just take their stud to to mount their mare and then go and steal the baby like later on down here like it's it's a really bad thing, but then you have them like, uh, uh, like, and then they'll be like, "Oh, I don't like this horse." And then next thing you know, like, it's on Facebook somewhere, and it's it's for five hundred dollars. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. and and so for me, it's you know, we could debate the are Kilpins really a thing? You know, are you funding them buying more horses? But until the root cause of it is mm-hmm. tackled, I I think it's always going to be an issue. And as horse lovers and horse people, we have to just take a little bit more responsibility and be honest mm-hmm. about it because yeah. I've had people tell me those papers don't belong with that mayor. And then I get her DNA tested and they sure do because people mm-hmm. don't want to admit that great registered horses are ending up in crappy spots. Yeah. Um, you know, the jockey club is, is really notorious or once a horse stops winning, all of a sudden they don't know where it ends up until the tattoo shows up in a kill pen. You know, mm-hmm. so I think as as horse people, we have to do better by our own individual horses and start yeah. raising the bar of expectations on how they're treated. Um, yeah. You know, instead of, you know, I'm not going to adopt a horse out for free when it's at the end of its life. I'm going to keep him and make the tough decision when it's time. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's not worth $200 for me to sleep at night. But that's not, I don't think that's the norm. Mm-hmm. And you said something uh, just a couple of minutes ago that really intrigued me um, because I've actually never heard anyone who rescues horses uh, who also rescues them for this reason. So you just said that some like that you guys also rescue horses just to give them a humane death. 
um, just a euthanasm in a in a more humane way. And that's something that that really shows like the hearts you guys have for the horses, because even the horses that you that that you realize they they don't have it in them. They're in pain. They're like they can't they can't um, do anything like even those horses you guys are saving just to spend money on giving them a more humane way of 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 going out of the world and i think that's extremely commendable and that shows um that just that just shows where you guys like heart is within this within this industry to to be willing to spend money on a horse that you're literally not expecting to make any money off of only thing yeah. you're about to do is is spend extra money just to, just to give it a more humane death. And, and actually that's too, we have quite a few generous donors who, you know, I call them angel donors because they, they are willing to fund that because they know that the alternative, mm-hmm. you know, a, a trailer ride to Mexico, if the horse even makes the trip without falling, you know, under the other horses. And yeah. um, so that's to our donors credit. And then also there are some great organizations that provide grants for that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we've hosted clinics at the event. Uh, at um, the ranch, excuse me, where we've allowed people to come, no questions asked and drop their horses off local to Arizona. And we've had Durango equine there, you know, so obviously it's an ethical Mm -hmm. decision. Um, And Horse Plus Humane Society provided funding for a euthanasia clinic. And that's really heartbreaking. You know, Um, there, there are people that can't afford to do the right thing for their horses Mm -hmm. and it really breaks your heart. And for us to be able to do that, no matter how hard it is when it's still the right thing to do, um, that's part of horse rescue for me. Yeah. Um, I have horses that I expect to work because I rescued them and I feed them and I pay for all their crap. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of horses that paid their dues somewhere else and are just hanging out at my place. Um, yeah. so, f- so for me, it's about balance. Um, and in the horse world, there are a lot of people who will prolong or make very expensive vet decisions on a horse mm-hmm. that's quality of life is not good. And we're not that we're not that rescue. Um, I try to be pragmatic. And if the quality of life isn't there, um, I'm not going to spend $20,000 that could be spent on rescuing more horses. If that horse isn't going to recover or have a good quality of life. Um, and so I do find myself in the gray area a lot because I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa in an agriculture community. And, you know, to me, horses are kind of in this weird limbo legally because they're not pets, but they're also to me, not quite livestock because they weren't being raised to be produced for meat. Um, Mm -hmm. so for me, seeing a dead broke horse run through auction and ultimately go to slaughter with who knows, bute, banamine, steroids, all this stuff in their system. I don't think it's good for people to be eating that meat and that animal, you know, was broke to trust people and then to turn around and slaughter it that's that's sort of where i draw the line yeah and and i mean they're not pets and they're not livestock but i mean the world itself wouldn't be anywhere advanced as it is without horses like horses took us through wars horses built our buildings horses horses, Mm -hmm. yeah like like everything that we have now came off of the off of the back of a horse like everything that like just even just having just the country itself came off of yeah. sound horses and, and horses themselves so yeah like, like that's 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 definitely one thing that like i i agree on or I, I agree on a lot of stuff that you that you stated so then um my question because this is something that i get home a lot is you brought out that you guys also take blms so um uh, do you guys ever get any slack over blm rescues and this is because people feel like 
it's a lot of people who feel like BLMs shouldn't shouldn't should need to be rescued because they were taken from their from their home. They weren't in a kill pen anywhere or whatever. They were sure. went and rounded up somewhere. And I always explain to people that they were rounded up because they probably weren't like because not like they weren't going to make it out wherever they wherever they were. But my question is, is what do you like? What are your thoughts on on that part? Dang, you were just hitting me with some hard questions right out the gate. No mercy. Um, No, but I I know you have a Mustang. I have a Mustang Mm -hmm. Nova that I love dearly. I actually adopted her from a local rescue, though. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. not a tip trainer. So she was already broke to ride. Um, So again, that's a that's a great area space for me. Um, Mm -hmm. My donkey, my burrow Fiona, I did get at a BLM roundup under the adoption incentive program. But what Mm -hmm. I will say is I'm a raging libertarian. And so Traditionally, I tend to believe that a lot of government programs that are put in place are crap, including Mm -hmm. the adoption incentive program, unless you know for sure and you do your due diligence, that Mm -hmm. is a good home. So, um, but I do realize that there, the quality of life sitting in a holding facility for a BLM Mustang is probably pretty crappy and it is Mm -hmm. illegal for them to be sold to slaughter. So it is concerning to see branded titled BLM Mustangs show up in kill pens because somewhere along the way that shouldn't be happening. Um, but I think that's a byproduct of the crappy adoption incentive program that people yeah. are going out, adopting a bunch of Mustangs, knowing that the BLM isn't going to check up on it mm-hmm. and then collecting their $500, getting their title. They've not touched, they've not added mm-hmm. any value to these horses. They're just yeah. turning them out to well, pasture. It's, it's, and, and it's actually a thousand dollars. Yes. And get, then, get, and then you when you get the title, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then so, then, so then you get another 500 when you get the title. And so a lot of what I've seen is at that year mark, when you get the title, the second $500, the horse ends up in the kill pen mm-hmm. yeah. because Agreed. they know the BLM's not going to check up. And even with Fiona, my donkey, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, so the backstory on that is I was drunk with my girlfriends at Cadillac Cowgirl, which is a high dollar horse sale for women by women. And I texted mm-hmm. my husband. I said, don't be mad. I bought something. So he's thinking I bought a $20,000 finished horse. I'm like, no, no, I adopted a burrow for $25 across the street at the BLM roundup. So he's like, oh, thank God I'll bring the trailer. <laughs> Cause he was just, he was just glad I only spent $25, yeah. but I had no idea that I, I, as a non-tip trainer was able to cash in on the adoption incentive program. And so mm-hmm. I shared with the BLM, I, I don't really agree with this, but I can guarantee you she, she has a good home here. She'll live here forever. And they go, okay, well, we probably won't even check. And I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they never came out to my place. The lady who was mm-hmm. assigned to me had a stroke and I never heard from her again. And then I just got another $500 direct deposited. So yeah. I, I think that's a complex question um, because I do support our, our ranchers and our cattlemen and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think anytime the government tries to offer a solution to something, it generally fucks it up worse. Yeah. So, and again, I hope you have a parental control advisory on this <laughs> podcast. Um, so, so I think somewhere there's a happy medium for everything. And mm-hmm. I, d- I don't know what the answer is. I love my Mustang. Um, I do think the Mustangs are awesome part of our American heritage and should be protected, mm-hmm. but I don't think the BLM is doing that as effectively as it could be. Yeah. And, and, and agreed. Uh, and, and that's one thing that I, that's that's something I tell people because I tell them the roundup. I don't I don't argue on the roundup because the roundup is usually is is usually a, a pretty legitimate uh, roundup 
like from what they from what they like what they say like for instance my my grade she was rounded up out of uh like area 51 nevada because they okay. were going to be like they were going to be running out of water and so they had to take out a couple of them to make sure the herd survived or whatever and so but and so i'm like the stories behind the roundups make sense because i mean it's either try to give them a life out here or just allow them to die and like out there and i mean it would be a natural death but like I, I i don't argue on the roundup but after the roundup they give them like they just like they don't really put a lot of effort into making sure they're actually giving them a better life than what they would have like them than yeah. that natural death that they would have had out in the out in the world and so um that's that's definitely something that i think that a lot of people um say about them is that a lot of people just collect it because and then even after like after you get, get that year they they don't they don't even like they give you the right to do whatever with them at that point you can put them into a kill pen or 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 wherever you you want to like you want to put them because they're not checking kill pens and like they're not going like oh like that's a blm let's figure out who that is to go over there and 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 find them or whatever so if, if you're not finding like because if someone knows that their name is going to be attached to this this number on this neck that's going to be in the kill pen and they could get like they can get in trouble for it they're they're going to be less hesitant to take this horse to the kill pen because they're attached to it but i do yeah. feel like um and and maybe maybe it's them not having enough manpower to check uh all of the all of the be like all of every everything that's out there and them just trying to trust people um and so i can't put it all on the all on the blm's um shoulders because it's also the adopter shoulders who adopt the horses to do this um just yeah. like the the people who are backyard um backyard uh like having all these backyard great horses and just to just to sell them to to the meat factory or whatever or the kill yeah. pen or whatever and so i mean i wouldn't it's it's like yeah, a, it's, it's, it's like a gray area right there where everybody is everybody has a has a fault in it um when it happens. It's so true. And I, I will say um, one program that I think works really well in Arizona that we've partnered with a little bit. Um, we've, we've chatted about having them out to the ranch to host an adoption event, but our prison in Florence, Arizona actually breaks and trains with the inmates BLM Mustangs to add value to them. Then they auction wow. them off. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love to see more of that. Like how cool for these incarcerated folks to be learning a new skill, um, to pass the time in prison a little bit more quickly, to add value to these Mustangs, to make them, you know, more adaptable. Um, actually, Heroes and Horses in Montana was doing that as well. I think they've sort of moved away from Mustangs, which is a, a little disappointing because I thought mm -hmm. it was really cool to see the American veteran and the American Mustang coming yeah. together and sort of mm -hmm. adding value to each other's lives. Um, but I'm sure there's a reason for that, but yeah. I think, I think if we put that money and we promoted more great programs like that, instead of the adoption incentive program alone, I think that would really help, help us find better homes for these Mustangs, because a lot of people are not ready to take an unhandled Mustang. Yeah. You know, probably myself included a burrow is a totally different story. And my friend Molly, mm -hmm. who was a tip trainer helped me because I'd never owned a donkey before. Yeah. But I think if we take those public dollars, taxpayer dollars, instead of wasting them away on horses and holding pens in the adoption incentive program, what if we provided grants to great veteran programs or, yeah. you know, formerly incarcerated individuals can, can learn to work with horses and gain confidence and gain a valuable skill. Mm -hmm. I think the money would be better spent that way. 
Yeah. And but and it was just the it was just the older cowgirl that that um was talking to me and, and she said her and her husband was just talking the other day and she had messaged me um and she had said something about uh it was yesterday or the day before, but she it was something that I had put up and she was saying something. She had responded to one of my, one of my stories and she was bringing out how we don't need more people with horses. We need more people. We, or she, she was like, we don't need more people with horses. We need like more horsemen or something like that. More actual horsemen. So she's like, I like, like, like we don't need just more people who want a horse. We need more people who actually will take care of the horse. And that's, and, and I think, with the Mustang incentive, I think a lot of people just see a cheap horse and think like, oh, it's a horse. I can, I can break it. And Mustangs aren't the, like my gray, my, my quarter horses, I can, I can, I just broke five quarter, like five right. horses yesterday. Right. <laughs> my gray, I have had her for 10 months and just, just broke her, like just started her like a couple of days ago. And it's crazy when I, when I turned my Mustang out, I mean, she was rounded up as a yearling, maybe a weanling mm-hmm. at the youngest, but they go to pasture and she reverts back to being a Mustang. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. there is there, it is hard to fight natural instinct more than with a quarter horse or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm always the first to say, I'm not a tip trainer. I'm not a Mustang specialist, but I yeah. think that it is asking a lot of random people to take these horses on and expect mm-hmm. them expect them to know what to do for a thousand dollars plus yeah. with the with the cost of feed and everything right now at least in arizona the thousand dollars don't you lose more money than you than you make like, with that horse oh oh gee thanks like <laughs> yeah what am i gonna you know i'm just gonna fold this up and flush it down the toilet because it doesn't actually mm-hmm. make a dent in our expenses here um and i know hay prices have gone up everywhere diesel fuel has gone up everywhere you mm-hmm. and i have talked about it ad nauseum with brands yeah. too like mm-hmm a hundred dollars is not worth my time. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know, for those of us that actually care for horses, a hundred dollars mm-hmm. is nothing. Yeah. And that's what, and, and, and speaking, speaking of that, like, yeah, it's, and it's a lot of brands that just, they don't, they don't pay attention to the, to the fact that it's influencers. <laughs> and so you said it, not me. <laughs> Let the record but, show. <laughs> but I feel like they're just used to working with people who are, are just influencers. They aren't actual um, cowboys. They're Western, like they're just Western influencers. So I think that's what um, separates them when they reach out to actual cowboys or cowgirls who actually have these extra expenses um, is that like, I have to haul this horse over versus this person is just going to ask their friend who has a horse and their ho- their friend is going to haul their horse over for free to, to do the shoot for them because they're yep. friends and, and all of this and, stuff and like- versus... What do, what do you charge to put 30 days on a cold? Mm-hmm. Oh, for, for me? Yeah. It depends. So I actually change it every every single cold. So, so, it's, so. it's more than a hundred bucks an hour. I would oh, it's guess. way more than. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and for me, I have to explain to brands, you know, my trail rides are 50 bucks a person per hour. So mm-hmm. I can, I can take two people out for an hour of my time, easy peasy for yeah. the same amount of money that you're offering me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's yeah, and, the currency yeah. doesn't quite add up for those of us that are actually in the lifestyle mm-hmm. and not that you want to be exclusive. I don't care if you don't own horses or livestock, but just charge accordingly because it trickles yeah. down to everyone and it's devaluing the mm-hmm. whole industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't, I don't blame the influencers because if I can get paid for, if I can get paid for something, I don't, 
like so I, I blame the brands more than I blame the 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 people um who who do the crazy who have the crazy ideas and 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 take the crazy deals and whatever it's because I mean if I can if I can make this money without having to buy a horse then I, I'd rather make the money without having to to take care of this, this maybe this maybe maybe this we're mis- maybe maybe it's our fault like maybe yeah, we're the uh-huh. suckers like wait wait maybe it's our problem <laughs> that we own trucks and horses and all of that maybe we're yeah. we're doing this wrong we did yeah not i think understand. so that's that's we, what i'm thinking we did not understand the assignment so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah you're right but but even influencing across other areas those people are making more money than all of us are collectively. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. I always like to say a rising tide lifts all ships. Some of these big brands make more than enough money to pay everyone fairly. So don't mm-hmm. be afraid. Don't be afraid to come back to them and say, I'm sorry, that's not enough money for it to be worth my time. Even yeah. if you have only 2000 followers, if you're producing great content, they're taking that image and using it to sell thousands of dollars worth of product. It's yeah. not just and, about your audience. Mm-hmm. And and something that I've tell and I tell people all the time because I tell people like I've only had my page for like three like like a couple of months um and like like I don't even know how long but it, it hasn't been that long that I've like that I've had this podcast page and everything and I'm like and um and I and I keep on telling people these days I've I don't I don't even think brands care about follower count um at this point and I was talking with Kirsty earlier and she said something that stood out because everybody always asked me because like, I, like I have deals with Wrangler, Ranch Water, um, Stetson, like all of these, all of these brands. Um, and then like, like I have like this, this Sunday, I have something going on with Tacovas. this like, and, and like, I just have deals with like all of these brands and all these brands always reach out. I never reach out to the brands. They always reach out to me. And I'm like, and I, like, I just started this page. I have less than like 2000 followers or whatever. Yeah. Um, and these brands are reaching out to me. And, but Kirsty was saying something earlier on her uh, podcast that really stood out to me. And it was the fact that she said, uh, whenever she started out um, her photography business that, that she has, she was saying that she was looking for influent, influential people. And she was like, and when she says that she she didn't look at their follower count whatsoever. She looked at what people are within the industry that actually influence people. She's like, because it's people out there who have a million followers that, but most of their followers aren't even cowboys. So they aren't influenced to go and, and buy this product. They aren't influenced to go and do this. And so um, she was, she said that she more so when she looked at, when she looks at influential people, she looked at people, she, she looks for people who, are respected within the actual cowboy cowboy life of things versus right. people who just have a lot of followers. Yeah, and you could have a million plus followers, but if they're creepy dudes that live in their grandma's mm-hmm. basement still and yeah. aren't actually going to buy that buy that product, how much value are you actually adding to that brand if your mm-hmm. audience isn't isn't their targeted customer? And I I did want to say that Ranch Water, Wrangler, Tacovas, Ariat all of those brands have been so good. I know to you, mm-hmm. to the rescue. Um, and, and I think social media is at this weird turning point where the algorithms are kind of punishing people. So engagement yeah. and follower account doesn't matter as much as just creating good content that the brand can use to sell their, mm-hmm. their product on their own platform. Um, yeah. But, you know, as much as people bag on social media, there's so much great stuff happening. 
Um, mm -hmm. What you're doing, what Judea is doing, what the Compton Cowboys are doing. Um, Emily Zilka is bringing a lot of awareness to um, folks who are visually impaired, pretty mm -hmm. stumped in the amputees. Um, what Waylon's doing, you know, as a single mom crushing yeah. it. Um, you know, it gets frustrating sometimes, but then you're reminded of, holy shit, there's a lot of really awesome stuff that's mm -hmm. happening here. Yeah. And, and I was talking with someone about that the other day. Um, I forgot who I was talking with, but um, we were just talking about like how many people are like just taking advantage of, and we, or we were actually talking about how many cowboys are starting to like cowboys and cowgirls are starting to come out of like the background and, and into, into the front. And that's where like this clash is starting to happen to where like, like people are starting to like, people are starting to recognize like the, the, the in Instagram cowboys <laughs> versus like, or the social media cowboys the are starting to get way, yeah, the influencers or men influencers are like, but they're, they're starting to get separated. Um, and it's because actual cowboys are starting to say, Hey, we're here and this is what we actually do. Um, and this is who we actually are. And, and uh, it's, it's such a double-edged sword though, because you want to be inclusive. You know, mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a first generation horse owner. I grew up mm -hmm. in the suburbs of Des Moines. My parents worked their asses off so that I could lease a horse, board a horse, you know, yeah. drug me every weekend to show against kids who came from, you know, massive horseback riding families. And I was the underdog always. So I always mm -hmm. want to create a, a welcome space to that. But on the other hand, I also want to preserve everything it is that I love about the Western world. And that's humility, modesty, hard work. I mean, real hard work, not just yeah. for the, mm -hmm. for the photo op. And so I welcome anyone that wants to join that, but I also don't want to water down what it is to be cowboy or cowgirl yeah. because I fought so hard you know, my first horse was a rescue horse. And that's probably why I'm so passionate because that's what I could afford. Um, mm -hmm. And he ended up being, su he's such a good horse for me and my guests that because of him, we've rescued 300 other horses. And so I, I don't want to be a snob about it, but I also, mm -hmm. you know, all the great horsemen and women that came before us are, we're not dressing the way that a lot of people are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> and likes don't equate with heritage to me sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I don't, and I don't, I don't care what you fucking look like. I just want mm -hmm. you to, to come here and work hard with the rest of us and preserve the things that, that we all love. Yeah. So that it's and, that's, for the next. and that's one. That, yeah. And that's one of my biggest things too, is that I don't like, like, I definitely want to include, um, like anyone who wants to come into the lifestyle, I want to include them. Um, the only thing is, is I've, like, I feel like it's going to water it down if you're including everybody without giving, like, without them having to do anything. And I feel like the, the, the thing about the cowboy is that, like, we work for, we work for everything we have. Like you, like you, can, you can't call yourself a cowboy if you didn't earn what you, like, if you didn't earn what you did off of, off of your own hands. And so that's, that's something that like, that me and like a lot of like people that I'm friends with, like we disagree on is like a lot of people um that i'm friends with they think that you should just include anybody into it but and the main reason why i'm so big on it is 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 because so i'm i'm really i'm really big on on it because people are starting to like and it, and this is more so like within like the black cowboy rim of things but the reason why i'm so big on it is because when you're just letting anybody in, it started watering down who I am when I show up to places because then people are seeing Drake in a cowboy hat and Lil Nas X in a cowboy hat and they're just accepting them 
but but when they accept them they put them as like the face of like like my type of cowboy or whatever and 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 stuff like that and so that's one of my biggest things is that like you should work like like if you're gonna if you're gonna cowboy and call yourself a cowboy or if we're gonna accept if you're if people are gonna accept people within the cowboy industry they should have to do more than just put on a hat um to, to to do it because then it starts to disrespect the actual cowboys out there that had to do way more because then you're given you're given um money to like like because it's a lot of people who can care less about the industry they just come in because they see money is coming into it right now because right now cowboy is the coolest thing yep. to be and so it's a lot of people who are just saying money is coming into it i'm gonna start modeling with a cowboy hat they start modeling the cowboy hat they and then next thing you know real cowboys are posting them so now these brands are like okay a real cowboy posted them let's give them the money instead of this real cowboy right here and have them on the front of the magazine have them in the in the commercial yep. or on our on our page and so that's where i feel like it waters down the cowboy because then you're taking money away from our industry that we could be getting right now and you're giving it to someone who just literally came in to leech to leech the end thing right now I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's the leeching and the opportunism that's frustrating Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I don't care if you don't know anything, you know, when I bought my first horse and I'd taken lessons of well-cared for leased horses that I'd boarded, things like that. But I didn't actually know Mm -hmm. fuck about shit when I rescued my first horse. And that's okay. As long as you're willing to learn and surround yourself by people who have been there, done that, you know, I've got two great old cowboys that have worked for me for the last six years. And they have more knowledge than I will ever have. And so I think what's, what's frustrating for me is I don't know everything. I'm never going to know everything, but I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly thirsty to learn more. And so I think it is frustrating when people just say, oh, Western's in right now. So I'm going to throw a bikini on and my Kenny Chesney gas station cowboy hat and and hashtag cowgirl it up. Like to me, it's just, you know, I admire the old women that are, you know, have sunspots everywhere, don't yeah. wear sunscreen, never had mm-hmm. their lips done, covered in turquoise, you know, arthritic hands from riding horses and probably falling off. That's mm-hmm. cowgirl to me. And yeah, for me, it's not about what you actually look like. It's about, are you willing to embrace that old lady in your heart? Mm-hmm. And, or are you just riding out a trend? Yeah. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're riding a trend and not a horse, I have a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and mind you, it's a lot of like cowgirls out there, like you, for instance, and um, like Courtney D. Hoff and um, like a lot of you guys out there who who dress up and and wear your turquoise, wear your fringe and and you guys dress up. But and so I'm not I, I'm not I'm not saying that like people how they dress or, or models or influencers can't be cowboys and cowgirls. It's just it's influencers out there who just see people like you and go like, okay, like I can do all of that. I just will like skip the, skip the actual cowgirl part <laughs> and, I, and they I, get picked up. <laughs> I still, I still have a hard time calling myself cowgirl. Actually the cowgirl Kate thing started as a joke. My good friend Boone, who's a hell of a, hell of a team roper. I mean, mm-hmm. cowboy from Idaho. He started calling me that as a, as a joke. And he's like, I'm like, I I still feel like I have imposter syndrome. And he's like, cowgirl Kate, you got to get over that. You got 30 horses. That's more than a lot of people. Um, You know, so uh, that's the thing. I don't want people to not feel like they're cowgirl because I I admire everything that Court Hoff has done. I do think that you can be fancy and ranchy. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, when you're not fancy and you're not ranchy and you're just kind of skanky, that's maybe that's maybe where you should probably stop saying cowgirl. Um, Yeah. 
I don't care. Take on OnlyFans, do you? You know, I'm not a prude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I just get protective when it's the cowgirl name. That's yeah, all. yeah, and me too. And and actually, so so you just said something of I don't want people to think that they're not cowgirl um or they're not cowboy. So I actually prefer for I actually want people to think that they're not cowgirl or not they're not cowboy. Actual cowgirls and cowgirls, I want them to think that. And that's because to me, if you ask me, the truest mark of a cowgirl is the one who you ask if she's a cowgirl and she she doesn't, she can't give an answer. Like she still has like that imposter syndrome. And that just comes from because the cowboy is just filled with humility. Like that's just part of being within the Western life is is the humility part. I when I had that cowgirl week, I asked every single cowgirl, like if they were, if they considered themselves a cowgirl and they said no. But if you look at their life, they're full of, it's like only thing they do is ranch and, and all of this stuff. But they're like, well, I don't, I don't know if I consider myself a cowgirl. And I'm like, why would you like, like, why not? I haven't been doing it long enough, but, and, and, but then you have the, the, influencers or whatever they're on their stories like arguing i'm a cowgirl i'm like like arguing with people if they say that they're not a that that they're not a cowgirl or whatever and like like waylon lucas said a a true cowgirl someone says i'm not a cowgirl a true cowgirl is gonna keep her head low and and just prove them wrong versus going back and forth and back and forth and 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 trying to like like you don't have to prove something that you truly are the only time that someone goes out of their way to prove something is if they they aren't really what they're what they are and so they're going to go out of their way to prove that they're an actual cowgirl or cowboy or or whatever and so that's that's a big thing that i've noticed as well what's what's funny i mean i would have jimmy google it if we were on joe rogan but i think margaret thatcher said something about if you have to tell people you're a lady you're probably not um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that kind of works in with the cowgirl stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, but being the kid that didn't grow up in an equestrian or ranching family, you know, I, my opportunities to ride Western dwindled when I was in high school and college. So I switched to English hunter, jumper, dressage, all of that. And I will say that I paid my dues there too. You know, you, you pay respect to the tradition that is hunter jumper yeah. and, and fox hunting and all of that and the European roots. And I feel the same way about the Western world you know, you're welcome to come into it, but we also have to be respectful to preserve it for the next generation. And I don't care if you have pink hair, what color your skin is. I don't care any of that, as long as you're, you're willing to do it in a respectful way. And, and how long you've been within the industry means nothing. Um, right. If like to actual cowboys, um, only thing I, I can guarantee you, you show up to a ranch to, 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 to work. The only thing they're going to worry about is if you can actually work, they're not going to ask how long you've been doing it. Like, like you, you aren't going to show up to a ranch and, and the person's going to ask like how, like, they're going to ask, can you ride a horse? Can you rope? Can you like, they're not going to ask how long have you been roping? How long have you been like doing this? How long have you been doing that? Like I've, I've never heard a cowboy actually ask someone at a ranch, like ask any of any of the hands, how long have you been? How long have you been on this? They just ask, can you do it? And it's a yes or no, yes or no question. They don't care where you're raised. They don't care who you like, how long you've been doing it. They just care how you do it. And mind you, I so I grew up in 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 the Midwest. I grew up in Michigan in the city. And like my so my family had a ranch on Mississippi. I had no connection to it whatsoever outside of my family like outside of the blood connection but 
like nowadays I'm like, like I, everybody that every horse that I'm training and every, every horse that I'm breaking and everything, I'm breaking for people who have been cowboying their entire life. I'm training their horses, like training horses for people who have been literally cowboying their entire life. And that's like, and so, and, and that's just because like I have different ways that, that work a little bit quicker or work a little bit better than, than they have. And, and a true cowboy isn't going to go like, Oh, he hasn't been doing it as long as me. And so I'm not going to like, even if, even if I know he can, he can probably get my horse and like to do this a little bit quicker or a little bit better. I'm not going to work with him. And because cowboys don't, they never ask like no, no one ever asks with like no cowboy ever asked that, that type of question of how, how long have you been doing it? If they see you do it, that's, that's all they, all they care about. Like they want to see you work. If you can work, you'll, you'll never like, they'll, they'll never ask. The only way they're going to find out is if you offer that information saying, yeah, I grew up in Michigan or, yeah. or if they just randomly ask at dinner, like, Hey, so where are you from Antonio or, or, or something like that. But a cowboy never asks when it's time to work, how long have you been doing it? Because it's people who, it's people who have been doing it for years that can't cowboy worth, <laughs> worth nothing. And, and they've been doing it their entire life. So. Or I'm always the first one to be like, Hey, I'll brand, I'll do ear tags, I'll do vaccinations, all of that. But I'm still working on my roping because I'm an English reject, you know? Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> reject. I, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's all about just being, for me, it's just about humility and honesty. And mm-hmm. I have never been in a situation where anyone has at a, at a ranch or a branding where anyone's made me feel less than, yeah. you know, as long as you don't come in acting like, you know, more than them, it's, it's always the most welcoming, respectful, hospitable mm-hmm. group of people. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful to be a part of that. And I want my kids to grow up in that same environment. And I think that's what's so concerning about maybe the crossroads that we're, that we're at right now in mm-hmm. the industry. And I thought your question about whether Yellowstone was harming or hurting or uh, helping or hurting the Western world was, was a really valid one because mm-hmm. in some ways exposure for things is great, but in others yeah. it, it waters down things like we talked about and it drives mm-hmm. up the cost of cowboy hats, trucks, horses, yeah property. You know, the last time I was in Montana for work, I was pulled over checking emails and stuff before I lost service and a random car with California plates pulled up next to me and asked me if I could help them find the ranch that they bought online. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Never been to Montana purchased, Mm -hmm. you know, a multi-million dollar ranch sight unseen. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that was a direct result of watching Yellowstone. So it's kind of, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, I, that's that's something that I always tell people is that if if the exposure isn't correct, then I don't I don't care because some people say like um, it was a movie came out uh, the harder they fall and they took like historic black cowboys but they made them all like 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 they took Bill Pickett and made him a like a gunslinging thug in the movie and he's literally which is not who by, Bill Pickett yeah was. yeah and, <laughs> and like he literally like has a whole rodeo named after him because of who he was and he's a right. hall of famer and everything and they they took like they took this and then they they like but they took all like, of the like guy the black was already cowboy a, names yeah like Bill Pickett was yeah. already a badass you don't need yeah. to, to and, and bastardize the yeah. story and everyone was like oh well uh the importance is is that they they put a light on the name so now people can look it up i'm like yeah but how many people are going to leave the movie theater and look up the like look up these people and then they're they're probably just going to be disappointed because like they just got like they got so excited that like, he was this gunslinger and just to find out he was a, he invented steer wrestling yeah. and that was, that was it <laughs> and so but, he was a good rodeoer and all this stuff and so or 
I, I am hoping that a byproduct though of some of that, like, I don't know if it's exaggeration or instead of just saying, this is an amazing story that should be told. Like, why do you have to go all Hollywood on it? Just tell us the real story. That's a, that's an amazing story that needs to be told and people need to hear. But I also get frustrated in our own industry with the lack of inclusivity. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you look at some of these top lists and, you know, Brianna was the first woman of color to ever be on Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. And part Mm -hmm. of me is like, let's do a hundred under a hundred. I don't give a shit if you're 75 and where you're from, if you're doing great things, just like Mm -hmm. her, like it's, you know, I, so I think part of that too, is our own industry has to take ownership of sharing Mm -hmm. the real stories. Otherwise they get taken out of context by Hollywood for sensationalism. When, you know, I'm in Arizona and I know a shit ton of handy Latina cowgirls that Mm -hmm. never get any credit. Um, You know, and I don't think cowgirl can be defined by color, by age, by what you do, like if you're mm-hmm. adding value and making the world a better place and, and fighting uphill battles and fighting the status quo, your cowgirl, um, you know, yeah. bar, and- barring some of the exceptions that we talked about. So, and I'm, I'm just a cranky old lady, you know, I'm way, mm-hmm. way outside of the 30 under 30 list. So I, but I do want to share that for my friends who are not 20 years old and blonde, that mm-hmm. they are probably creating just as much, if not more value. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. And I mean, brands. So I'm one of those rare people who I get like, like, so a lot of people reach out to me and wonder like how I get these like brands to work with me because I'm one of like the rare, the rare black cowboys who get a lot of brands who, who reach out. I have no idea how I get them to reach out, but they, they reach out, but I do notice but you're a you're a hell of a horseman who happens to be black, and that's that's the yeah. stupid thing. Like the story there should be Antonio's a hell of a cowboy. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and but mind you, the brands that I work with are are like amazing brands. Like one thing I really loved about like um so so like like with Ranch Order, um Katie, I, was I the, love Katie. Yeah, yeah. So like with <laughs> Ranch Order, they were only um having people from west texas because i guess they didn't want to fly anyone out and me and ryan were the only ones like in the commercial that they flew into town um for the for the commercial like they reached out like like and and flew like me out me out and then of course they flew ryan out because he was he was the show but but like they like they went like (laughs) they went like all out of the way uh like like to make sure like i was like i was like included in it and and Katie is just like amazing and it was funny whenever like I showed up like the like I I've, I never felt at that point that like anybody doubted what well, was one person <laughs> they weren't an important person <laughs> but you know, I didn't feel like anybody like I felt like the majority of the people especially everybody within the commercial and Katie and everybody like they all like just respected me as as a cowboy nobody looked at like nobody looked at the fact that oh he's a black cowboy or anything like nobody brought up like that i was a black cowboy nobody like it 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 didn't it wasn't a thing everybody just was like okay we're gonna have antonio do this we're gonna have antonio do that and 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 stuff like that and and i appreciated that and like wrangler i like they they constantly um i even try to get them to not have me as the model i'd be like what if i take the pictures of somebody and they're like oh we want you like in the pictures like and so like, but like, it's like a lot of brands, but then it's like a lot of brands who, um, who just don't respect like, like diversity or of, of, of a lot of different, 
like just just diversity period like i was working with one brand and i had a really good relationship with them and then they got rid of um the main like the person who was um in charge of getting in contact with like the people that they sponsor and everything and they got a new person and she went and like turned the brand completely around she took down all the black people off of the page they did what? an interview they did an interview of me she took like all of the black interviews off of their website everything and so you're gonna have to tell a, me who this is after yeah, when yeah, we're not it's recording a, yeah it's a it's a very interesting and it's a it's a pretty big brand that I was really close with but I was close to the person who was, who was doing it and it was weird that the person like chose to just like leave the brand uh randomly but whenever that happened it was just a very interesting thing but yeah I think I think it's, a, it's still a lot of people out there that are, it's a lot of brands out there that don't get enough credit, like Ranchwater Wrangler and, yep. and, and, and all of them who do show diversity. They don't care about the color of the cowboy. They don't care about um, what, who the cowboy is. They just care about like how cowboy the cowboy is. And if the, if they're oh, respected, if they're respected cowboy within the industry. Authenticity, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, gosh, I, I forgot to mention this too, but living in the Southwest, some of the best cowboys I know are from Navajo Nation. Um, you know, yeah. obviously everybody yeah. knows Derek Begay because that story is incredible. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, man, it shouldn't be this hard to peruse a magazine and see appropriate <laughs> diversification. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to make exemptions. These folks are out there and they're kicking ass and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where they come from or how old they are. And so I am hoping that's some positive change that I'm hoping to see. Um, sometimes yeah. I feel like cranky old Clint Eastwood sitting on my porch bitching about that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've lived a little more life than some of these 20 year old influencers. And if we're not leaving the Western world, a better, more inclusive place than what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, yeah. And, and honestly, I don't, <clears throat> so I don't know if it's just Texas, but I don't, I don't really feel it anymore. Um, when I was living in Tennessee, I would feel it. I would really? feel it out there. Um, but in Texas, I don't, I don't really feel it anymore. And that's probably because okay. now, now mind you, I am, uh, like, I mean, I like, and, and within like the Texas realm, I'm pretty known within like Texas. And so I probably don't feel it just because I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm like a, a household name, but I'm like people people at least know of me I'm kind um, of a big deal and, or, <laughs> but yeah but like like and so I feel like I like because I, I still talk to a lot a lot of like different cowboys um with from Texas and they say that they still deal with it and I'm like well I show up to places and I don't really like like but it's it, like I don't really feel it but it's I guess I don't I don't know why I don't feel it but I don't really feel it uh that much these days I feel like it's definitely a big jump from what it used to be um but Tennessee is also a crazy place. So, so, and, and yeah, Tennessee is a very crazy place, but I love, I love, I love Tennessee, uh, as well. Like I used to love going to like the ranch rodeos out there. Um, they have a ranch rodeo in Lynchburg. I just went to last year and it was like, I had to pull it to like the back of somebody's, uh, like it it was hosted by Jack Daniels because Jack Daniels distilleries in Lynchburg. So I'm thinking it's going to be this huge, this huge ranch rodeo and, I buy these tickets, go to this rodeo, and it's in the back. Of, it's somebody's backyard, and it's just like some like a bunch of rednecks there with like Confederate flags painted, like mounted in the back of their trucks with rednecks spray painted across it, and and like all of this stuff. And I like pull up, and it was a party. Like they loved me there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but 
like yeah tennessee tennessee was the like is a very interesting place but like even when i go there now like you don't really see anybody um at first when like at first when i walk around i would get stared at everywhere i went like like what is he having a cowboy hat for <laughs> like like and things like that and, and now, you could like, probably people... outrope them <laughs> yeah and so I, and i probably couldn't <laughs> i i realized i realized i was not a team roper when i start trying to team rope i realized ranch i should have learned because i went to ranch rodeos and i went to regular rodeos ranch rodeos the the actual the cowboy cowboys always took like in the ranch rodeos it always was like the fourth person who threw the loop was the one who caught like the first three always missed and then the fourth one would be coming back around and finally catch the catch the steer Versus team roping, they catch every single one. And so I, I tried to take some team roping lessons. And I was like, I can, they was like, can you rope? I was like, yeah, I can rope. I rope on the ranch. And I must have got out there and that horse took off way faster than I expected. <laughs> and I couldn't even, I couldn't even get my rope up in time. Like by the time I got my rope swinging, it was like, up oh, the, the steer was already at the end of the, yeah. of the freaking arena. And I was like, man, it's, it's a, it's a different, uh, it's a different lifestyle, but. I'm, I'm getting into it this year because everybody's trying to convince me. Kirstie was even trying to convince me earlier to start team roping. Or just just ride Bronx because you're already doing mm-hmm. that anyway. I'm actually yeah, uh, June I'm actually June 4th going to do the clinic with Corey Ford um, mm-hmm. for the female ranch bronc riding. I was like, I mean, I've swung some legs over some rank assholes on accident. Mm-hmm. So let's Oh, let's so you're it. attending it. I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Uh, oh, I, wow. can't, I can't wait because I was like. I'm a totally different person when I know what's going to happen versus mm-hmm. when it's the old been there, done that horse that I gave a little more credit to than I should have. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I love what those ladies are doing too. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like sometimes you and I complain about very similar stuff because it's a real problem, but I am very positive about the direction that things are going. And I'm hoping that this yeah. is just a weird like identity crisis thing that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I do want to preserve the Western lifestyle. And I know you feel yeah. the same for mm-hmm. the next generation. And I know you're from Detroit. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, like city kid. And so mm-hmm. I, I want people to feel included and welcome, but I also yeah. want them, want them to understand what they're stepping into and, and love it the same way that we do. Agreed. And it, and it's a ton of right now is the best time to jump into it because it's a ton of workshops and, like especially women like like especially like the cowgirls within the industry like it's a lot of uh women only workshops and it's just a ton of workshops that literally in clinics and things like that that literally will show you everything you need to know um to figure out which field you want to go through or how to support uh how to support it just this period i know uh courtney dehoff does a lot of like keynotes i know um caroline nelson does clinics up at like up at her like her clinics are are some like she got some pretty dope clinics where she like you're gonna be <clears throat> hands-on hands-on at her clinics like she's having one during lambing season where they're gonna actually be delivering and everything That's cool. like the like no matter like you just buy and you show up and you deliver and like and and all of this and i know um western workouts um kelly from western workouts oh, she I has some clinics and she has clinics coming up she has two coming up and it's just a lot of people who, like you just said, you're going to a bronc riding clinic. Um, and so right now it's just a ton of, a ton of different, like everybody is, is willing to teach, um, is willing to teach 
right now and 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 help preserve the the western way of life you just have to be willing to yep. to to actually learn it and and not just want to only make money off of it but you like actually want to preserve it and and support the the western way of life and uh, the industry well, that you're and, that you're coming and, into and you and I have talked a lot you know I know we're talking cowgirls sport cowgirls so we've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about the ladies and I know a lot of your guests are mostly women and cowgirls um, mm-hmm. But I, I do want to say that I think in general, the women who are on Instagram are doing it for the right reasons. They genuinely yeah. want to support brands, provide content to small business, help small businesses, um, mm-hmm. network, grow the community. You know, they want to attend those great events that add value yeah. to them as a person that are professional development. It's honestly some of the guys in the Western space that are a little less savory that I don't think are doing it for the right reasons, because yeah. I don't think... I mean, my husband's the first to say, he's like, I've had the same boxers for 10 years. I don't care who's mm-hmm. wearing boxers on Instagram, right? Because <laughs> at the end of the day, women do more shopping than men. So mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be more influencing marketing happening toward us yeah. from us. Um, so I think it, it's always weird to me and sketches me out a little bit when guys have a huge following and mm-hmm. their and- they're halter under their bridle and... <laughs> You yeah, know what I'm, or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or you have like, and, and one thing that I've noticed <clears throat> whenever, <clears throat> so I've been interviewing, <clears throat> if I can get this out my throat, but <laughs> I've been interviewing. Somebody's uh, trying to silence you. Maybe you're not supposed to say whatever. <laughs> but you're about but to I've say. been interviewing a ton of, a ton of cowgirls. And it's so funny that, um, with, when, when you interview like cowgirls and cowboys, I've noticed like whenever I'm trying to make these trailer videos, whenever I'm putting out you guys' podcast, it's so hard for them to find videos of them actually working. Like of like 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 everybody has like the pretty pictures or or whatever, but like everybody always goes like, man, you want me like actually out there? And it's because like actual cowboys aren't taking pictures. Like we aren't having our phones out when we're actually like some someone tried to tried to uh, question. He didn't even follow me. I I, I it was like a. I don't even know who the person was, but I randomly got a message a couple of uh, weeks ago and the guy goes, if you're a real cowboy, uh, post a video of you uh, roping uh, a wild filly out in the pasture. And I'm like, why would I have a, like, why would I have a video of that? <laughs> like, like what real cowboy goes like, Hey, I'm about to go out here and rope this filly. Like, take this, take this video, like, like take this video. I'm like, why, why? Like, and so that's one thing that I've, I've really, I've noticed, um, like, and that's one thing that really makes me separate is if you have an abundance of like, if a person has like, in a, like every single day they can post, they can post like a crazy thing with a horse or something. It's just like, almost like, it's no way. I mean, unless you have like a GoPro, like it's some people who, who they will go out there. Like, I know like that one guy, um, who I think is like super cool, um, in Montana or something like that, he 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 does like the it's like a little whole little clinic thing that they do where they like people can go out and round up the horses with yeah. them. But yeah. he always has like a GoPro or something like Is like it... with him. Well, and I know Silver I don't even Spur know what Ranch. His name. And yeah, Idaho I think that's it. That I think yeah, yeah, I think that's it. And so, but like, but yeah, and so I I I've noticed that like whenever I see someone like on Instagram and like they're they just got like abundance of like cowboy stuff like that to post that's not just like a regular picture of them or a picture of them with the horse but they like have like all of this i'm like like you're like 
like that's that's where I wonder, like if you just did that for the video and then went home, like you you didn't actually like you don't actually work on the ranch. I'm like, well, because and I, I mean, all of all of us know that most of the content that's on our feed is curated for a brand. And we know mm-hmm. that a brand is paying for it. Normally, yeah. I look I look homeless 95 percent of the time. It is what mm-hmm. it is. But like when I'm giving a horse uh, an enema because it's colicking with mm-hmm. with the hose in front of guests, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing and film that to post yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I actually love watching people's stories better than their actual feeds, because I think you get a better idea of who they are, what their daily life is like. Um, yeah. You know, we're all guilty of it. At some point, mm-hmm. if a brand hires you, you hire a photographer, you pay a photographer to provide content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm always skeptical too of like, who can afford to have a videographer just follow them around all the time? 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, like, yeah. And I mean, I mean, some people do it like smart, like some, some actual cowgirls, like I love like, uh, like Natalie Kovarik, she does yeah. like, a, like she has like her photographer come out like one day and just take like, I think Which I saw her so say smart. that like, just like a whole, like a whole day worth of like her changing outfits and, and, and doing it like, and, and just taking pictures and, and whatever like that. And, but like you see her stories, like, and her stories are like her in the tractor, her with the, yeah. like her pushing cattle, her doing this, her doing that. And, and I love, I love Lindsay Branquino's stories too. Like I love mm-hmm. watching her and Luke and the kids, and I love the beautiful curated Elizabeth Hay pictures as well. But I also, mm-hmm. I also love like I know that's where I'm snarky, funny, and feel most myself myself is in my stories, not in a yeah. single caption on a on yeah. a video or a picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's one thing that. I've, I've noticed too because i've even had someone ask like why do you only like and like like it seemed like you only interview cowgirls and uh like like you don't interview cowboys and i'm like well honestly like it's hard to find real cowboys on social media like 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 because i'll find them like 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 the cowgirls like i find them and i know they're cowgirls because like i'll like i'll i'll be watching their stories and and stuff like that because like anybody can take it like take a post like take a picture and and make it look like they're they're cowboy but like you see their stories you see their day-to-day life you see that they're within like they're what they're doing every single like every single day when when they're not uh taking these pretty pictures in these pretty outfits versus like a lot of the guys you'll follow them and they'll like like they won't be doing anything and if they are doing something on their story it's getting content for for the for the for the post the next day or, or something like that and like like the few the few videos that i did get like like that i do like like my gray bucking that was supposed to be a content shoot for me and i i had a crazy idea that instead of using one of my bro courses she's not gonna buck on me i'm gonna use her for for uh it was for a, a t-shirt company for farm team. Oh yeah. And I'm and like, I'm gonna use, you. and I'm like, I'm gonna use her. And she, it like the person loved the pictures. Cause she was like, it just turned into like a super authentic shoot. Like she's like, it, it turned into like something that you do like on a regular basis. So she absolutely loved it. But like, or like when my, when my bay like reared up, I was pick, I was taking pictures for uh, another company. Like, but whenever I had out the camera, it was because a brand like, hired me to take some pictures and I finally found time to to get it out there and it just happened that my horses just want to be want me to be a cowboy 24 7 and I don't get breaks I don't get breaks to take normal pictures so we we had a western painter come out and he's like I'd love to just shoot pictures of you because I don't want to have to get permission from photographers for pre-existing photos all of that I was like no problem you can just come follow us around 
same thing, get on my first rescue, who's now my best kid horse. And he blew up. And I was like, I hope you got a picture of that and you can paint it because no. Mm -hmm. And and he was from the East coast. He didn't know anything about horses. He's like, did he do that on command? I was like, Oh God, no. (laughs) Like, in fact, if you weren't here, he would be in serious trouble, but you're here. Mm -hmm. So I had a, I had, I was supposed to be meeting um, but, with someone one day, the day that my horse reared up and I sent them a picture of the horse. I, I sent them a picture like, Hey, my horse is acting up. So I'm a, like I said, I sent them a video of the horse rearing up. I was like, Hey, it's rearing up. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a little longer at the ranch. So can we push it back an hour? And they're like, Oh, that's so, so cool. Like I always wanted to make my, like, like see a horse doing that. I'm like, no, he's not. Like, I'm not telling him to rear up. Like he's trying to get me off. <laughs> he's he's throwing a fit. <laughs> yeah. Um, One more question is where can my listeners find you if they want to reach out to you for, for anything? Well, if we haven't scared them away at the end of this, uh, my handle is at cowgirl Cates, uh, cowgirl.caIT, a little bit different spelling. And then my business is Corral West Adventures. Our website is phoenixhorserides.com. And feel free to DM me. However, I can be of help. I'm happy to answer any questions about rescue horses. All right. Sounds good. And for all of my listeners, I will have all of her uh, information within the bio. So you guys can reach out to her, uh, whether you want to help her um save a horse's life or just reach out and just figure out how you guys can can help within that industry so thank you so much kate for coming on and spending this little time with me thanks antonio i'm glad we were finally able to connect thank you